Hello everyone. I want to say good morning, but you may be watching this in the evening. So hello everyone. Before we get started, I just want to welcome everyone to uh, our online series, uh, sermon series from the Greater Alton Church on questions that Jesus asked. Uh, before I get started, I would like to relive an old romper room moment from my childhood. Some of you will know what that means. And I'd like to say hi to a couple of friends, specifically uh, Tracy and Debbie Daly. Uh, let you know I miss seeing you folks, and I hope all is well with both of you. And I look forward to seeing your smiles and giving you a hug again. And also would like to say hello to the Stagall family. Guys, with that thought in mind, again, before I get started, uh, I just want to throw out there that this pandemic has challenged us all in some ways. I believe there are tremendous growth opportunities for our faith, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, but specifically with regards to staying connected to the body of Christ. Um, it is a need and an expectation uh, that Jesus gave us. And though all of us have our own uh, fears and concerns with the pandemic, uh, there is still a need to be connected to the body of Christ. And I want to encourage everyone uh, to, within your parameters of caution with regards to the pandemic, to still look for ways to connect to the body of Christ. Uh, this morning we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 18, uh, the first eight verses, and the question that Jesus asked will be in verse 8. So let's begin, I'll read that. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now that question that he asked at the end there in verse 8 seemingly come, is very random. Comes out of left field like, wait a minute, you're talking about praying and now you're talking about what you're going to find when you return. And will you find faith on the earth? Uh, I think it's important and I encourage you to go back and look at it. But the context of this um, begins in chapter 16. Okay, The Bible was not originally broken into chapters. And uh, the way I understand this... Uh, this is a continuation. Uh, he was talking about him, his return. And then he goes and tells this parable. And he ties them together with this line, with this question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I personally find that question to be a bit scary. I find it scary because Jesus is saying, is real faith really going to exist? If over time... Will human beings give up on or forget or neglect or fail to understand what faith 
really is and what it looks like. Now, in this context, I believe specifically one of the translations I looked at is the Amplified Version. And they add, they add a little line for clarification that says, will he find this kind of faith? Meaning, will people be praying like this? Will people be crying out to God, expecting God to bring about justice where they've been met with injustice? Will they cry out day and night for him to fix something? You see, sadly, I find in this world we live in today, people cry out to the government far more than they cry out to God about injustices that are done to them. And guys, I believe it's significant because, and I believe two things about this question Jesus asked. One, he is definitely saying, are people going to have this kind of faith that cries out day and night for God to right the injustices that they personally experience? But it's also, are people going to have enough faith, period, to take his word serious? Do we believe in there's a creator of this world who lives in a spiritual realm who has not neglected it, who still has an influence and a power to exert in the physical realm that we live in, and dare I say, in our individual lives? Because that's what he's talking about here. This widow isn't asking the judge to make the world right. He's asking to make this justice in their life. And that's the question you really need to ask yourself. Do I have enough faith to believe that the creator of this world will reach down from his spiritual realm into the physical realm to influence an injustice that I'm experiencing? And if do I believe that, am I willing to cry out, day and night, over time. You see, the truth of the matter, when I first looked at this question several, several weeks ago, I had to be honest, I don't. I give up. I cry out day and night when something really bothers me. I cry out day and night for a little while. And then it tapers off. And so guys, I'm personally challenged by this. I'm personally convicted. And if I... With this pattern in my life, I have to ask myself, how strong a faith do I really have? How real is my faith? How easily I am distracted by the things of this world to give up on crying out to the creator of this universe day and night about what really concerns me. Um, And guys, as we look at this, that's the question I hope you look at is what's my individual faith look like? And so that's what we want to talk about this morning is what faith means. How does faith really look at and how can we get that from this passage? The first thing we want to talk about is that having faith means I know and I trust what God says. Uh, there's, a verse, there's some verses in, in Exodus where the Israelites have been led out of Egypt and uh, they, they've been... A little, more, a little more history. They've been enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. And Moses shows up on the scene and says, God wants to get you out of here. And they, they question that. And then God brings these 10 plagues upon the nation of Egypt. And the Israelites watch these 10 plagues affect the Egyptians, not affect them, to where finally the Pharaoh of Egypt lets them out and says, get out of here, take whatever you want with you. I want no more of you. And, and he leads them out. And then the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 14, 
that God purposely baits Pharaoh out, okay, to come after them again. He causes it to look like they're wandering around as they follow him, and they end up at the Red Sea with the Egyptian army behind them, threatening to wipe out everything. And, uh, and the people are freaking out. Okay, the odds are against them. This does not look good. And this is what it says in Exodus 14, beginning in verse 13. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Just real quick, guys. This wasn't in my notes. This is always God's message to you when you're afraid. Okay, God wants you to live by faith, not by fear. Okay, so if you find yourself living in fear of any circumstance, of any situation, I I greatly encourage you to look for God's word and to not be afraid and how to not be afraid. He goes on, he says, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Guys, this is just... this is. Just an amazing passage. And, and, and just very briefly, the example we can take from this is we need to know and understand what God has said. God told the Egyptians, I'm leading you out. He prophesied over 400 years prior that they would be led out after 400 years. God has promised this. They've watched it take place. And now they're still standing at the Red Sea, looking at the circumstances they're facing, and instead of looking at what God said and what, how God has been faithful to them, they're staring at their circumstances and they're afraid. You see, guys, God's faith, having faith in God means that we can have some peace in some difficult circumstances that we do not see a way out of. And, and dare I say this? I'll say it. God's instruction to every one of us when we are afraid And we're in circumstances that we cannot do anything about or seemingly cannot do anything about. We're to be like this widow and pray day and night. And we are to be still and watch him work. Guys, being still, I can't tell you how long you're going to have to be still. And we'll get to that a little bit. But you need to understand something else. God is interested in him being glorified far more than he is in satisfying your your plea your way. And so guys, we need to know and understand what God says. The second thing is, if I'm going to have real faith, I need to give up control. Okay, I think in this world today, it is so clear. We live in a highly structured world and we want to feel in control. I want to be in control. This waiting on the Lord is not something I like to do. Okay? 
I'd rather, especially as, as you know, my experience in the business world, I want to grab control and say, no, we're not going to settle for that. I, I tell my, my, my employees and my children that sometimes you got to find the right person to put pressure on. You just can't take no for an answer. Well, the truth of the matter is sometimes you end up against a brick wall and you cannot do anything about it. And God wants you just to be still. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse seven says, for we live by faith and not by sight. And that simply means that we're going to trust God. We're going to be still even when we can't see what's coming, even though we can't see how or when he's going to answer. Third thing that having faith means is that I seek to bear the fruits of the spirit. What is is that all about? Where does that come from? I don't see that in that passage. Well, here's the situation, guys. When we want to control something, right? We want something to do. And in this situation, this widow, only thing she could do that affects it directly is to call out to God, is to cry out to this judge, okay? And it's the same with us. There are situations where all we can do is cry out to God. But in the meantime, what waiting and being still looks like is that we are trying to bear the fruits of the Spirit in our life. Think about this. Okay, the widow, she had to practice patience. And guys, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. I love this passage. Um, You know, I'm going to be talking about justice a little bit in a a minute. And uh, that's been Alan's kind of his, uh, I don't want to say soapbox, but one of his main topics of discussion, and rightly so. Uh, Mine for the last couple years has been really living in the Spirit. Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17, I believe are highly neglected in in modern-day Christianities or individual Christians' walk. And this is what it says. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. I want to be in control. Okay, I got to not be in control, so what should I be? Well, I should be loving. I should be patient. I should be kind. I should be gentle. And that's what you do with your time. Um, Guys, let me give you some passages that really support this. I mean, you know, what does Jesus want me to do while I'm, be, while I'm waiting on him and being still and while I'm crying out day and night for this justice? Well, you need to understand, get, Jesus gave us some very specific instructions to follow when we have been or are being treated unjustly. First one, three little words. Love your enemies. Okay? You've been treated unjustly. He's saying you need to love the person the group that is treating you unjustly. Pretty specific. Let's go on. He says, pray for those that persecute you. Pray for them. Now, he's not talking, pray they're going to get their justice. Pray they're going to get their due. Okay? Here we go in, into Romans chapter 12. It says, bless those who persecute you. Don't just, don't just pray for them. You take it upon yourself 
to benefit them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not repay evil or any. I'll start over. <laughs> Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't do it for that reason, though, okay? Just leave that up to God. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Guys, I believe those are specific instructions that God has given each and every one of us of how we should deal with. I believe this is where the Spirit has led, and it results in the fruits of the Spirit. But you need to be committed to living by the Spirit. The next thing that real faith is, is real faith is I choose my mood and my attitude. Okay, uh, I'm going to read these passages and, and then we'll discuss them. The first one's in, they're, they're both fairly popular. First one is very popular. You find in James chapter one, verses two through four. This is what it says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The next one is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Sadly, guys, when I'm going through a hard time, I have a very natural tendency uh, to let everyone know how things are going in my life by my mood and my attitude. I think I've grown tremendously in this, but I, it is still a temptation. Um, just to let it overcome me and, and, and literally to not follow the leading of the Spirit given to us in these two passages. I believe the most powerful testimonies we can have in this dark world is following those words of James and Peter and really choosing a good mood and a good attitude, which we just talked about in the previous point. Uh, and guys, really choosing that. Uh, I believe Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 10 uh, gives us more specific instruction on this. He says, though the, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and pretensions. I'm sorry, every pretension that sets itself up 
against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Guys, this is what real faith does. When I'm treated unjustly, I choose to be joyful. I choose to rejoice. I choose to represent my king in this dark world by taking my thoughts captive and making them obedient to him. Next thing. I guess this is the last thing, isn't it? Is when I have faith, I understand and practice justice. Guys, justice isn't just... Usually when we're talking about justice, we're talking about something unjust that is being done in the world or to us. And we tend to neglect us being just in this world and practicing justice. You see, when Jesus told this parable, I don't think it was any accident that he chose a widow as his example. And I read these, I want to read you some passages uh, in the Old Testament. First one's in Exodus 22 and the next one's in Deuteronomy 24. But this is what it says. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheath, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. You see, guys, God doesn't want us to just cry out for, to have our desires met, to make our life better, even when we're been treated unjustly. Okay? He wants us to represent Him in this world. He is concerned with justice and specifically with those who are prone to injustice as we encounter them. Okay? As we encounter the fatherless, which by the way, I think there's, that there's a lot in this world who are fatherless. Even when parents don't get divorced. Uh, even when kids aren't put in foster care. Uh, the fatherless is a group that needs our attention. Um, but father, I mean, these groups are ones that it's easy to, to walk over. It's re- easy t- for them to not receive justice. And it's going so far, especially in the Deuteronomy passage, where it's talking about leaving crops in the field for them. This is what God views as justice is us who are not in need, who are not treated unjustly to look out for the needs of others who are in need. 
And guys, that's what real faith does. We're expecting God to act on our behalf when we are treated unjustly. That's what real faith is. That's what we're called to. And we can exercise that faith by being like God and giving justice to others who are treated unjustly, being God's hands and his feet in this world. Okay? And, and that's what it is. So guys, as, as we're closing out today, I have, to, I have to ask you the question, do I understand God's definition of justice? Do I understand how he wants me to practice justice? I want you to ask yourself the question, how am I practicing justice in the circumstances I find myself? I'm going to read a passage in Micah chapter 6, and, and then we're going to close out. It says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be blessed, I mean, be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? He's saying, does God want me to do big and glorious stuff for him? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The biggest question that I believe we need to be concerned about with the election coming up is not who's going to be elected, is not which party is going to be in power. The biggest question that we need to be concerned about right now is when Jesus returns, will he find me with enough faith to follow what he has shown me that he requires? Let's pray. Father, it is, you have made things so plain. Father, you, you, you are so faithful to your words that if we seek, we will find. Father, I am in awe over the last five, six years how the more I seek, the more plain things get. Father, this world is, is messed up. That's all there is to it. It's not the way you designed it to be. And Father, we deal with injustice all the time. We're faced with, faced with circumstances we don't want, we don't like, that we may even believe are wrong. The question is, Father, are we going to look to you? Are we going to cry out to you day and night? And are we going to do justice? Are we going to have the faith that you want us to have to act justly in this world? And Father, to really believe, live in such a way that we really believe in your existence and your influence in the world and in our individual lives. Father, I pray that that's what anyone who hears this desires and chooses. And it's our King's name, power, and authority that we ask all these things. Amen.